0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: Hey everybody, it's Dustin from the HP Podcast. And this is Ben. We're just coming here to tell you about our show, well, the HP Podcast. The HP Podcast is a weekly video game podcast from handsomefandom.com that's also part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network and... Ben, it's a little hard to describe our show because it's a little bit of everything. We get into a lot of shenanigans. We also talk about some news. We have some pretty serious topics sometimes. But sometimes uh, our friend Brandon takes a shirt off and uh, just does the show that way. So you should definitely check it out. I think he got stuck to the seat last time. That's possible. So that was,
0: that was a time. Yeah. So anyway, check out
2: our show. We would love that.
1: The HP Podcast. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Did you know that our cast is on Patreon? Well, now you do. So go check out patreoncom artcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support, or you could join one of our higher tiers to get a shout out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. So once again, that's patreoncom artcast Thanks for helping us and keep it retro.
0: What's up
2: Argonauts and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 159 of the RCast. I am your host David Gilton and with me is a man who is currently stuffing his PC inside a Dreamcast, Robert Workman.
1: Well, you know, I figure, you know, with my uh, my Django skills, I've got the ability to, like, put stuff where it normally doesn't belong. But, uh, no, I wish I worked for Bethesda. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to our news here and everything. But, uh, David, one interesting thing here is that a lot of people seem to be making new games for older systems. Now, in the past, we've had Tim Hartman on the show talking about Haunted Halloween 8.6. But this week, we have somebody uh, on from the Nescape team. What's going on with that?
2: Yeah, so with us here is Kevin Hanley, who's working on Nescape. So how's it going there, Kevin?
0: It's going very well. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you're also a fellow podcaster,
0: too. Is that right? Uh, I am. It's true. (laughs) Also a big fan of Tim Hartman, so I'm glad that you guys have had him on before.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we always like to talk about the old school here. And boy, oh boy, is this a week for things coming back from the past, David. Because have we got some news this week? Uh, We're going to get started uh, right up to speed, if you will, uh, (laughs) with the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer that debuted earlier this week and left the internet rather mixed. Um, So apparently... Yeah, yeah. So here's what happened. Uh, We had a first look at live action Sonic, and it's weird. (laughs) And we, uh, you know, because the fingers, the teeth, you know, everybody's mentioning different things. I don't know. The eyes as well. You know, Cyclops, James Marsden is in it. Yeah, that's true. But of course, the big selling point is the return of, I guess, silly Jim Carrey, because he's back. I mean, he's been doing like dramas and horror movies and stuff like that. Now he's kind of back in a role that kind of carries back to his 90s style of humor with Dr. Robotnik. But the cool thing is, we saw a photo that looked like, he looked like an evil Burt Reynolds at first, (laughs) but then they showed him at the end of the trailer actually looking like a traditional Dr. Robotnik. So that was good. Yeah. But this trailer, I, I have mixed feelings. On the one hand, it's not horrifying horrifying and they like how jim carrey looks but on the other
2: horrifying in some ways and not gangster so
1: paradise harmful. why yeah. is gangster paradise it's <laughs> more
2: confusing than anything i feel like because like i feel yeah. like that they're, that they're really trying to like focus in on that like 90s kind of like nostalgia basically and with gangster's paradise i mean like it just doesn't make sense in this trailer yeah right? how does
0: it relate at all to what's going on other than it being from the 90s yeah, I, I really don't understand it.
1: There's some confusing stuff here. Like, at the end, they, they make a joke. Sonic's in a duffel bag, and James is carrying him into a building. He's like, do you have a child inside of the bag? Well, yeah, but it's not my child. Not He's my a child. cop! Yeah. He's a cop! He should know not to say that around civilians. I mean, jokes. the only thing that I sold it's it jokes. was the joke about the axe the ax body spray and the ham sandwich. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh... Um, <laughs> The dude who's the dude that was on Parks and Rec that voices him, Ben of something his name escapes me at the moment, Uh, but anyway, he does a good job voicing. Uh, the character, but I think again, it's oh, a matter Schwartz, of I think yeah, Ben Schwartz, Yeah, Ben Schwartz. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, sorry. yeah. He, he, was yeah, in, yeah. Uh, he was in he uh, was in the Parks and Rec. Um, but yeah. I think the big selling factor, obviously, is Jim Carrey because you know, at, at first he's kind of annoying, but then you start to see more of his comic side and role. Like, you know, like his car gets destroyed while he's in pursuit of Sonic. He's like, Is that the best you got? And he's like, No, but thanks for asking. And then the a <laughs> smaller car goes after him, yeah, which I thought was kind of cool.
2: It's basically that like ace Ventura kind of performance really yeah. coming out in this. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's like the only I guess like saving grace really for this movie. Mm. But I don't think Jim Carrey can really carry it on his performance alone.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is it gonna he's is he gonna be able to do that for the whole movie and it'd be interesting? I
1: don't. I, I want to so. know. I want to know how it converts because that ending sequence takes place in like what looks like Mushroom Hill Zone. So I want to know what it does. They transport through a ring. Oh, by the way, apparently Sonic's rings are now transport zones, like the yeah. 2006 game.
2: I That's kind of like the Portal game or like the Portal gun, really. In that case, yeah, rings.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, so, th- so they're falling off a building and then they're falling in a neighborhood, I suppose. Um, okay, so if this film, if the um, director and the team are going for a 90s vibe, they definitely got it. But if they're going for a more current vibe, they missed the point.
2: I mean, I feel like this Ah. is kind of like a 90s vibe for all the wrong reasons, because it really does feel like a video game movie from the 90s, (laughs) which is not a compliment, really. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know, like with like the music choice is definitely odd, Uh, just like with the overall, I guess, I guess a tone deaf approach to making a song at the Hedgehog movie is just kind of odd um especially when you like consider that that we did already kind of have like a sonic uh fan film in a sense uh, back in oh. 2013 uh which I did like a write up on on dot com on uh with the uh, with basically the, the director for that fam uh, for that fan film uh basically giving his reaction to watching the sonic the hedgehog movie trailer and um, it's uh, it's it's quite something because like he basically gives like his own take as far as like you know Sonic needing to be in a more kind of like fantastical kind of world instead of like being grounded in reality with Earth and you know the same kind of like storylines with like the military being involved and all that stuff. Like the kind of the same stuff that you see in, like Hollywood movies basically, just like with like Transformers and all that stuff. So it, it was really interesting, kind of getting his point, also very funny with how how much he was wincing and how much he was kind of horrified, like first watching the trailer. (laughs) Um, And I can certainly see his point as far as I'm, you know, the overall design of Sonic as well needs to be more in that kind of cartoonish kind of sense, as opposed to trying to make him look like a real boy, I guess, in a sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the whole thing just feels like I understand the vibe they're going for. And if they are going for that nineties, awful super Mario brothers, the movie street fighter vibe, I kind of get it. But if you're trying to go for something that more caters to today's kid audience, I mean, like I already see a bunch of people that say, "Oh, I want to see it." This is day one. This is one, and I see a bunch of people like, "Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> did, did
1: Sega really consult on this? Because really, <laughs> look at his eyes. You know." I mean,
2: I think Sega's even kind of concerned about this as well, because honestly, the Sonic franchise in general has always been very like up and down, you know, especially lately um but like with like the movie if the movie bombs i mean that's like what sonic is to the mainstream audience not to gamers but to, but to like mainstream people um mm-hmm. uh, so that's that can only like hurt like the you know the sales of like sonic games i feel like in the future and like sonic has already you know again been very like up and down very kind of rocky as far as like game releases are, are concerned so i don't know like this could be like i, I, I don't want to say like a death knell but I want to say it's putting in the, the nail in the coffin. I want to say for like Sonic in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got to just wonder, like some of the design decisions. But having Jim Carrey on board is a saving grace, because if it does go down in flames, at least we'll be laughing at some of it. So,
2: <laughs> Maybe. you know,
1: there, there's that there's that plus factor. And let's be honest, it still probably won't be the worst video game movie ever made. <laughs> right. so.
2: But that's not the only 90s mascot who's coming out, though, uh, because there is a new Earthworm gym game that is in the works uh, which got announced just earlier today actually as we're recording this um it, it is a an earthworm gym game that's coming out with the original team intact and exclusive for the intellivision amico
1: yeah what it is they got together everybody they got david perry they got broody they got uh, doug tenable they got mm-hmm. tommy tallarico doing the music i mean they got like 10 of the main team members behind this game Although I'll tell you, the poster kind of looks horrifying. Like you know, PD the dog <laughs> looks like he wants to eat a cow. He's like, "Where is my cow?" You know. Uh, I mean, that's
2: Earthworm Jim, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is
1: Earthworm Jim. I mean, it's a great looking poster, and it's a huge snag. Where uh, you know, for the for the Amico, for the Amico, um, I know a lot of people are going to be like, "Really, not like the Switch or anything like that." But you understand, Tommy. He had this plan in mind. He wanted big announcements for the Amico. This is huge. It's really a big deal. And they're going to do a live stream uh, this Saturday. um, Showing off, like, some concept art for the game. Maybe a hint of what the story is going to be about. Maybe a release date. They're doing this the right way. Because you remember, like, when the Amico was first announced, we didn't get any gameplay footage. And they, they waited a few days to reveal, to, like, Post the trailer that was shown at a game show over the weekend. So turned a lot of people off. But I have a feeling this is going to probably bring some people back. This is a huge exclusive announcement for the Amica. I mean, I'm, I'm eager to check it out. I want to yeah. see how this game goes, you know, especially with the original team. on
0: I I, You know, I was a huge fan of the Intellivision back in the day, um, and I have a lot of fond memories of it. Um, the fact that they're making a new Intellivision system at all is incredible and i'm very excited but this is actually a really big name um and i think that a a lot of people might have missed that initial announcement and i think that they will now see you know with these headlines come out that this new earthworm gym game is is coming out i think a lot of more people are going to be taking notice
2: yeah and and like honestly, like it kind of gives like the amico i guess like something to hang his hat on really because like i I wouldn't exactly call earthworm gym like a killer app by any means but it's certainly something that I guess like entices more people like who did grow up like in like the nineties playing Earthworm gym games before uh, that this could be like a return to form for like earth on gym, especially having like the like original team on board. So
1: yeah. And not to mention the fact, this opens the door for possible other returns, you know, like there are other projects that he could line up over the next few months that he can announce say at Portland retro gaming expo. I mean, I, I've been catering this all day. If Earthworm Jim can come back, then so can Boogerman. Uh, we've been you know, <laughs> ever since that. carman. had video. his
2: chance. He had but his no, chance. I'm sorry. I'm
1: going to push for the I'm going to be sleeping on the lawn of the Amico headquarters, dressed like Boogerman. Be like, it's it's his time. It's his time. And I'm going to fart on the door every day.
2: I <laughs> mean, if you didn't dress like Thanos before, I don't think you're going to dress as Boogerman. Well, <laughs> Boogerman
1: Boogerman's more affordable than Thanos. I don't have to worry about the gauntlet. Just get a cheap cape and a green leotard. Fair um, enough. You fair know, enough. And eat some Taco Bell. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah.
2: But uh, I mean, you know, I guess we'll see like how how this turns out, because th- there was actually supposed to be an Earthworm Gym four um, sometime in the past, like, I believe, like back in 2008 or 2010 or something like that. Um, that just never came to be. Like I believe it was like Interplay uh, that made the announcement and uh, just nothing came of it, basically. So this is basically the Earthworm Gym 4 that we've been waiting for, really, um, especially if mm-hmm. they are going to bring it back to its roots, which I imagine they will. Um, I'm not sure if Tommy Tallarico is actually going to be doing like the music for this, but it would be cool if he does. So
1: I think he will. I mean, he said he was going to be part of the team, and he did the music for the last two games. So mm-hmm. he didn't do it for Earthworm Jim Three, but he did do like for the music for the one and two. So it, it's sort of like a streets of rage scenario. We, we know like Yuzo Koshiro is involved in the project, but he hasn't officially been announced for the soundtrack. I mean, it's just a matter of time. It is.
2: Gotcha, and uh, another thing that's a matter of time is more Star Wars games. Uh, so we're going to be yep. seeing some Star Wars games coming to to the, uh, to like the Discord platform here, Robert.
1: Yep, actually, the first two have already come out: uh, Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic Two. The The um, Sith Lords. They're now available through the Nitro Game Service, which is a monthly subscription program they have for $9.99. It includes 80 different games. Uh, Those two titles, the Kotar titles, are available now, but there are other classics coming as well, including Jedi Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, um, Republic Commando, which is a very underrated shooter, and I really enjoy that. And uh, Indiana Jones, also uh, one of the classic titles, is coming to that as well. I got to see which one, but it's really a great deal. You know, I mean, like a lot of people really. I love these games. And and it's just in time for, you know, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. You know, know, because they're (laughs) on sale everywhere else. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. But also, David, The Secret of Monkey Island Special Edition. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, David talks about Guybrush Threepwood like, you know, he's an alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> not right wrong. Like <laughs> you go, yes, I am in the high seas. Yes, my name is Guybrush. <laughs> His girlfriend just looks and shakes her head and be like, no.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Although um, with like Republic Commando, was that the game that uh, recently became Xbox One backwards compatible?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bunch of them did. Star Wars Battlefront 2 became backward compatible. There were a bunch that came out just a few months ago that were backward okay. compatible. So, yeah, I mean, it is great to see Republic Commando come back. But I, I'll tell you, it's an ideal opportunity for uh, for the team of their Lucasfilm to reintroduce Star Wars Episode One Racer. Uh, mm. I think Ooh, this yes, is one of those yes, underrated yes. games. Because I know I it, it, it came out on GOG a little while back. But, I mean, I'd love to see it on Discord as part of the program. And, of course, I'd love to see a console re-release at some point. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just wishful thinking, I guess. But it, it is pretty cool to see these games come back. And, you know, we've heard whispers that Disney might be doing something with Lucasfilm again. Maybe this is part of that revival. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed, you know, I'd love to see more games of this type come out again for us to enjoy again without worrying about microtransactions or
2: whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Kevin, it sounds like you're a Star Wars fan, too, right?
0: Yeah. And actually looking at this list of Star Wars games that they just that they're in the process of releasing, I, I kind of forgot how many really good Star Wars games there were that have come out.
1: Yeah. Man. Oh, tons, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, unrated stuff, too. Like, like I said, Racer was underrated. Um, yeah. The Force Unleashed, too, I thought was great. You know, there's, I mean, obviously, you know, there are stinkers, too. Masters of Terrace, because, because he, no, 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 no. Yeah, no.
2: yeah. That was like the <laughs> fighting game. Yeah, like,
1: that was a, yeah. a terrible fighting game. But then you had stuff like Super Star Wars. I mean, there are a number of classics out there that deserve that appreciation, you know. So I hope we get those circulated back again. And, you know, it's always great to see. Older things brought back in a new light and kind of close out our news today. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, The team over there at Bethesda, um, ID Software and uh, Avalanche, uh, they do have a little promotion going on. Uh, They launched it earlier this week, and it's a chance to win a customized Rage 2 Dreamcast. But it's not what you think. This is actually a customized PC built into a Dreamcast shell that can run Rage 2. Uh, now, this has the community up in arms. You know, On, on the one hand, uh, people are like, oh, yes, I want this because I want to play Rage 2 on a Dreamcast, even though it's not a <laughs> Dreamcast. And the other, you know, it brings up that argument to be like, should we gut old systems for new purpose? Because we've seen this, David, on a number of occasions mm. where people tear apart old systems to, I don't know, do, do, a, do a, a bookshelf thing to do something else besides what the system was originally intended to do. I want to see where you stand on
2: this. I mean, do we know for certain that this is a gutted old console shell or is this like a new console? shell that they're using.
1: Uh, it says inside the console is a custom PC with HDMI inputs. So they rebuilt some stuff inside of it. So it runs modern PC games. So right, I yeah. don't think it runs old Dreamcast games anymore. So it is. Oh, oh yeah.
2: No, no, no. But I mean, like, like if, if they actually gutted like a Dreamcast, like in order to make this, like, I, I don't think they did. I want to say that they like molded like their own, like shell. Like See, order it doesn't do say. And I,
1: I think that's why a bunch of people may be overreacting
2: about it. These I are mean, the hard hitting <laughs> questions that we need to have answered. <laughs> Robert.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm notifying Sean right now in the middle of his car. Get Sean cosplay. on the line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, imagine. With... I can't
0: yeah. imagine they would actually gut a Dreamcast to do this. I don't think it they could be they a 3D
1: know. printing. I mean, it could be a 3D printing yeah. for all we know. I mean, that's, that's what I want to say. Yeah. They didn't detail it, but it's an up and running machine inside a Dreamcast shell. So a lot of people assume it's a gutted Dreamcast. I mean, I just mm. did for Granella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a possibility <laughs> that it is a 3D custom printed job. And, you know, if it is, it's an amazing thing, but it's really cool. Um, promotion, because you know when when people do customized systems for upcoming games, we usually see an Xbox One or a PlayStation Four or a Nintendo Switch. We don't see a Dreamcast ish system. You know, it's a pretty neat idea.
2: It is, yeah, and like I, like I feel like that shell, honestly, uh, you know, as far as like how like the Dreamcast console looks, is kind of like perfect, honestly, for this type of thing. So. It would be really cool in order to kind of see more, like, I guess, like, classic console, like, designs made for, like, these, uh, you know, these kind of, like, PC-run engines, more or less. So um, so it'd be, like, really cool to see more of this. Um, Like, I I don't know if this is, like, something that, uh, I guess, like, appeased to you or, like, if you're, like, a Dreamcast fan at all there, Kevin.
0: Uh, No, I'm not. Um, But actually, just, like, thinking about it, does it show how, like, the controllers, does it use the actual Dreamcast controllers plugged in?
1: They don't even show it with those tweaks. Okay. They just show the system. I mean, I would assume it uses a more modern. Because, I mean, I'd love to try Rage 2 with the Dreamcast controller, but I don't think it has all the functions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's missing a couple of the shoulder buttons. You know, it doesn't use the VMU. So
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I want to say that it probably takes in USB controllers and yeah. you can plug in whatever at
0: that point. Because so. it looks like I they lo- changed
1: the ports in the front. If you take a look, that's here. what
0: I was going to say. They would almost have to come up with a new case if they're not, you know, using a lot of the existing inputs. Yeah.
1: I mean, the ports are different. If you take a look at the system, like two of the front ports are different from the other two. So it looks like maybe it uses old school controllers and USB related ones. I don't know. I really have to ask Sean about it but uh, it's a neat idea i just like i like you were all white like we all saying i just really hope it wasn't in the, for the sake yeah. of an actual dreamcast because we love those
2: <laughs> there should be like a disclaimer like no dreamcast will like harm in the <laughs> making of this product <laughs> welcome so it's gonna lead us now to the part of the show called what do you playing?" against the games you've all been playing or have recently beat so kevin with you being our special guest what have you been playing
0: Well, you know, I've been working on this game for so long that I don't get a lot of actual just gaming time in. Um, But when I do, I typically play other people's games in the NES community. Um, And lately I've been playing a lot of uh, Micro Mages. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one, but it it was a pretty big, it was a big Kickstarter success story. Um, And it's actually, they're just now shipping them sort of out to backers. But uh, I was one of the beta testers on it. So I just have been kind of checking it for bugs and playing it as much as I could.
2: Is that another like NES homebrew kind of project? Yes, or? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, uh,
0: but they did also release it on Steam uh, yesterday, I believe. Gotcha. That's really cool.
2: Anything else, yeah. also? Uh,
0: not really. Uh, I'm I've been tinkering with, uh, and I, I apologize if I pronounce it wrong. It's a it's a modern game. It's near autonomous or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, near autonomous. Yeah, um, I've, I haven't i have gotten far in that game, but what I have played, I've really enjoyed because it seems like they've taken like all these different gameplay types and kind of just thrown them in there, and it all yeah. works <laughs> really beautifully. I've been very impressed. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: How about you there, Robert?
1: I've been working on a few games. I've been working on Mortal Kombat 11 um which i think is good you know now that they've uploaded a patch to kind of do away with the incredible difficulty and the um, need for microtransactions and grinding it actually feels like a much more balanced game now but i was a fan of the gameplay to begin with i think it's a, a very good playing game oh, the uh, gameplay is
2: great it's, it's just that, that that like economy really is just kind of like out of whack and especially like the grinding for it so it's definitely a lot better now
1: yeah, yeah it is it's a lot more balanced which i really appreciate i've also been playing some world war z uh this is a uh they they licensed the movie but they they've shaped it like left for dead where you play like random survivors who go up against these hordes of zombies um, the game is glitches. I believe I mentioned this in the past, but it's actually kind of fun with the right group. You know, like Left 4 Dead itself. You work together. You set up traps. You have mountains of zombies. They climb up the walls just like they did in World War Z, the movie. Oh, nice! But thankfully, yeah, you, cool. you thankfully you don't you don't have to drink a diet coke to solve the level. You know, you, you actually <laughs> shoot them, which is pretty spoiler, by the way. But it's <laughs> yeah, um, but it's pretty good. It's a pretty good game, and it's actually selling really well. So, congrats, Saber Interactive. It, it's nice to have a fun zombie game while we wait for Back for Blood. Sometime later this year. Um, Virtual racing for Switch. I love this game. I I think this is a very well done port. It's interesting because you can only play two players online, but you can play eight players offline in split screen. But it works really well because it kind of stacks around the screen but it gives you just enough, unless you like do aerial view, in which case it's fucked. But (laughs) but (laughs) if you you do close up, it's pretty nice. It it is a pretty well done mode. I really like that one. And then my final thing, I picked up a PlayStation 3 um, CECH A01 model, which is the very first model off the shelf in great condition. And it runs PlayStation 2 games like a champ. So I've been picking up a couple of PlayStation 2 games here and there. One of the games I got is Time Splitters 2. And nice. I've been enjoying this one again. You know, it's great to go back in and rediscover a favorite you haven't played in years, you know, because we're waiting on THQ Nordic to re release these games someday. And uh I just picked up Def Jam Vendetta, which is always fun. So, yeah, I mean, I've been busy with all sorts of old and new stuff, uh just waiting on Saints Row for Switch next week. Uh, oh, what about yeah, you, David? <laughs> what about you? What are you playing?
2: Yeah, no, I, f- I forgot that Saints Row the Third is coming to Switch. <laughs> that's mm-hmm.
1: right. I d- it's going to be fun
2: uh so like you I've been playing Mortal Kombat 11 it's definitely a lot of fun I love the gameplay uh I was actually playing along with like some friends uh just like just you know just doing some online matches and besides from that too I've been playing Chrono Trigger uh so uh I've been like just kind of like at the end game of it really like I beat um I beat like the Dream Devourer which is like the exclusive boss in the DS version so I'm playing through like the DS version for like the first time uh just kind of noticing some of the changes like in that from the SNES version I remember playing. And uh yeah, it, you know, it's you know, it's a lot of fun. It's uh it's really cool. Um I, I do like that extra content to it, but not so much the like uh reptite village extra content that they added in there. So uh and also it's kind of you know just, just going through the different like endings right now. So I'm on new game plus right now, it's kind of going through that and uh, experiencing that. So um so yeah, and with that I do have a game code here to give away. Uh so there's a game code here for Boo Greedy Kid on Steam. Boo. So exactly uh there's a new punk in the house and boo greedy kid you play as a small brat who's so into soda that he doesn't blink an eye before wreaking havoc to get his favorite drink go frighten people in order to grab their money and buy drinks how greedy play with your own voice through 100 levels to get to the ultimate soda treasure but be aware of the cops coming your way to stop your greediness so
1: that's how dare you that's right
2: (laughs) so if that sounds like a jam definitely jump on this again this is a steam code The code is C-8-T-Q-K-Z-A-Q-W-X-X-K-R-D-I. Again, that's Boo, Greedy Kid on Steam. Enjoy.
1: Welcome back
2: to the Stage of History. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we're going to be talking about Nescape, uh, which is uh, basically like a like a game like where you're kind of like trapped in the room, more or less, and you're trying to figure your way out. Um, I'll bring up like a couple of games here which also have you trapped in the room They have to figure your way out. <laughs> um, starting off with Solomon's Key. So this is a 1987 puzzle game by Tecmo. It was converted on the PC engine under the name Zipang. A 1993 prequel called Fire and Ice was released for the NES. And the ending slightly changes depending on how many secret rooms the player finds and completes. So... Uh, this is a game that I remember playing like a bit of. I never owned it, but I did play it over at a friend's house, and uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, definitely gets you like you know gets your brain kind of teasing a bit there. And um, yeah, you know, it's really cool and definitely like a lot of rooms to kind of like figure out and like, you know, to, to like, explore
1: and all that. So. Yeah. And not to mention it's available on Nintendo Switch Online. That's so you right. Can actually yeah. It's on go there. and experience the NES version if you've never played it before. It's actually a neat little game. Uh, I think the design is pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people were kind of turned off because they thought it was too blocky. But, you know, taking a look back, there's some really good designed rooms here. Yeah. And, well, it's you know, blocky
2: because you make blocks. So yeah. Exactly. You know, I don't know.
1: Well, you don't like blocks? Well, I can't imagine what you say about Tetris.
2: I know. You block
1: us <laughs> or something? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I didn't get you that copy of Blockdress for Christmas.
2: <laughs> yeah, Kevin, I don't know if you played any ski or.
0: No, this is one of the few uh, NES games I haven't put a lot of time into. Um, I, I have some friends that really like it, um, but I have not given it any time. Um, but from what I hear, it is very good.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like it, it's um, it's definitely very good and definitely like a game that I feel like, um, you know, it's really good even for people who don't play a lot of video games to play. Um, because it's just like one of those games that just gets you kind of like thinking and just you know presents like a problem like in front of you. And you just have to figure out like what it is they have to do with like the uh, few moves that you, that you have available to you, really. So mm. um, it's a really good game in, in that regard. Um, another good game in that regard, too, is Adventures of Lolo. So this is a 1989 puzzle game by HAL Laboratory. It is based on the Japanese Eggerland series. It was followed by two sequels in 1990 and 1991, respectively. And the game's protagonists Lolo and Lala appeared in Kirby's Dreamland under the names Lolo lo, lo and La La La. So oh, got, yeah, yeah, they definitely got very creative with their names there. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, because I remember like they um, they appeared as um, as like enemies. Actually, I think they were like boss characters in Kirby's Dreamland um but yeah with, with like adventures of lolo though um this is like another one of those games i feel like that pretty much anyone can like appreciate even if they don't play like a lot of video games uh it's just like you know it's just like another game like where it presents you with like a situation where you have to figure out a way to basically clear out enemies or figure your way out like you know like around like a maze or more or whatever uh in order to get yourself out of the room more or less so uh so kevin i don't know if you played adventures of lolo at all
0: yes i am a fan of lolo um i i I sat down i i I was introduced to it probably about 10 years ago um and i sat down to play it and i thought oh i'll just sit down and you know knock this game out i was very surprised by how many levels are in this game it's incredible deep
2: yeah Yeah. (laughs) it just keeps going it does yeah yeah i think um i could be wrong here but i think there's like over 100 levels or something oh my god yeah and like like, i
0: didn't make it i didn't make it through the game yeah
2: For sure, for sure. I don't know if you played this at all, Robert or?
1: Um yeah, a little bit. I, I think I go more into the sequels, Lolo Two and Lolo Three, um, where I didn't mention low lolo and la la la. But um <laughs> I did start playing this again when it came to the Switch, because this is also on the Switch Online service. And it's a fun little puzzler as well. And I, I think it's just adorable when you play like a marble with feet and hands. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seemed to be that thing where they mysteriously have feet and hands and it's never explained. So whatever. But it is a fun little game. Like I said, I think I got more into the sequels, but it's a neat little design. I think it's well worth the rediscovery if you have Nintendo Switch Online. So definitely worth your time.
2: And that's going to lead us now to Obscura.
1: Now, I was going to mention another obscure NES game, but now seeing that we're kind of in a theme in which we're encased in a level and trying to get stuff out of it, I wanted to kind of call an audible here, and I wanted to talk about Pango. Pengo is an arcade oh, okay. game that was re- yeah released by sega in 1982 and in it you play this cute adorable red penguin that uh, goes around these little overhead mazes in the antarctic where he crushes blob like snow bees uh, yeah snow bees, by sliding blocks into them and the goal is to either eliminate all the snow bees in the level and their eggs or line up the three diamond blocks for a large bonus uh, i think was, they actually
2: have this uh, uh was a fun spot in laconia new hampshire i want to yeah, say like they because um, they have like, the actual arcade cabinet there
1: I've never been, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a fun little arcade game. I know it also came out for Game Gear, Atari 2600, uh, the 5200, I believe. I never got an NES release, and I was like, eh, this seems like a game that would fit right in in the NES library, I think. But uh, it, yeah. it is pretty cool, you know, and it's a fun little throwback title. I'm sure a few more arcades have it somewhere. I've never been to New Hampshire, so I can't say, but I'd love to see it in one of my local places. It'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. And uh, this game almost. Oh, feels like it's prime for a remake you know like Sega's been talking about like trying to revive some of their classic IP this should be on the list I would think especially with the following it had in Game Gear because it did pretty good in Game Gear
2: I mean, honestly, I would rather see you know a few other Sega franchises come back, <laughs> from Pango, but I, yeah, but I can certainly appreciate Pengo and what he has to offer, or she. Like, I'm not sure if the, the gender. It's 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 yeah. It? There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I I do remember playing this a bit uh, over a Fun Spot, as I mentioned, and um, yeah, it's, it's you know it's a pretty cool, like a kind of maze like game, basically. Um, yeah, a lot like kind of you know sliding blocks around all that stuff. So like you know, there's a very blocky kind of. Kind of episode really that you know, that we're crafting here, um so yeah it, you know it's really cool in that regard and definitely has like very cute art design as well, so uh, you know at least at least kind of judging by the um, by like, the arcade cabinet itself so
1: mm, I think it's a neat little game, and uh, yeah, you're right, I mean, there are other second franchises that will see return, but let's throw it out there when it comes to like puzzlers and everything like that, it is fun to smush people with ice cubes. Yeah.
2: I mean, this could be like one of those like rare classic games. I feel like that would actually work well on the mobile platform, like on like smartphones and stuff. So like, you know, like if you had like where you like tap in order to like make like the blocks or whatever, and like, you know, move them around, like in, in like up, down, left, left, right fashion. Um, I think that could actually work very well uh, like on that platform. I don't know if you play Pengo at all there, Kevin. Or...
0: No, but I'm actually thrilled by how much attention puzzle games are getting in this episode because I think they get overlooked way too often.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually we, we take a look at traditional puzzle games, but it is kind of cool to have like, uh, puzzle games that involve like, a character on the screen. And with that, I mean, like, there was a recent release on the indie front a little while back called Treasure Stack. Uh, that came out earlier this year for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. And basically, had a character who was running around the screen while blocks were falling around them. It was a neat little strategic element thing. And just, it's something we don't see too often in game design anymore. And it was a nice little throwback, I thought. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Pango come back. But like you said, David, there are bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Bring back Pango.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just get the Bring Back Pango shirts printed up now for E3.
2: So that's going to lead us now into our main topic, which is uh, basically checking out the new NES title that Kevin here is working on called Nescape. So uh, I guess we may as well have you, Kevin, uh, ex- you know, explain to us basically what is Nescape.
0: So basically, it is a mystery escape room game uh, for the NES. Um, and one cool feature that uh, we added in is the ability to use a Super Nintendo mouse to control the cursor in the game so if you get an adapter that converts the super nintendo to the nes uh you can plug a mario paint mouse in and uh have at it nice
1: neat idea there
2: so like it sounds like it would work very well on on like pc as well is that is that also like another platform's coming out on
0: uh uh that is going to be a stretch goal on the kickstarter i think um i have a guy that's willing to port it over um but uh yeah it, it's a goal definitely we want to do uh pc and we are looking at also uh xbox one and switch
2: nice nice and um the like types of puzzles that you experience in escape um like how, like how would you like describe them like like are they comparable to like any other like nes games out there like any other classic games like that
0: uh, I th- honestly think it's unlike anything else that's come out on the system before. Um, there are so many different types of puzzles in this game. Um, there's like sliding block puzzles. There's piano music puzzles. Um, there's you know swap puzzles. There's um, marble labyrinth maze puzzles. There's like so many different types that I crammed in there. Um, I think there's something for everyone in there. It almost sounds
2: like the NES take on The Witness, o- o- like almost like I like I don't know if you play like The Witness at all
0: uh i played a little bit if it's the if it's the game i'm thinking of isn't that the one where you're connecting what looks like circuitry type things yeah yeah exactly yeah
2: yeah it's a jonathan blow game um but, but like basically it's like another puzzle game like where you're you're kind of like experiencing different types of puzzles the, they all kind of like have like the uh like a similar type of like look to it but like the way that you solve the puzzles are very different uh, this sounds like it's it's more of like there's just like different types of puzzle elements like involved entirely. Uh, so every time that you go into like a new room, it sounds like you're basically like experience like a whole other like type of puzzle entirely, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I tried to make it to where the room itself, because you're only in a single room for the whole game. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to make it feel really confined. Um, but you're slowly unlocking more sort of things in the room on a wall here or a wall there like you'll find a key that unlocks this drawer and then these blinds open up on this wall like there's lots of stuff hidden that you slowly uncover as the game progresses
1: well I want to talk about the inspiration of this game like Kevin what was it were you just like in a bunch of escape rooms in your area? I'd be like you know what we can make a game. <laughs> <laughs> well
0: that definitely did play a part in it uh, my friends and I are really big escape room fans um we go to them it's it's almost a yearly tradition where my birthday comes up i say all right we're going to go to a different escape room but what's what sucks about an escape room is like once you do it like you can't do that one again because you know it so you have right. to yeah. constantly try to seek out other rooms you know to get challenged but yeah just that that enjoyment that we had of like working together and sort of uncovering a mystery and just the challenge of all these different puzzles i thought huh like i wonder if i could take that and sort of reimagine it on you know the system that i love the nes so um that and there's there's been a lot of mobile uh games of this type that have come out uh the main series that that i've been playing is uh it's called cube escape and i think they have like eight or nine different escape room games on mobile devices but what i really like about that series is they basically make it to where like if you tap somewhere you know if you tap in the wrong spot nothing will happen but if you're if you tap in the right spot with the right item it works so there's like no harm in just like trying different things so i tried to take that control scheme and bring it over to the nes so i'm i'm very interested to see like what people think of it, because I don't have a whole lot of feedback yet, um, other than the beta testers who I pay to tell me that they love it. Um, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me but, you love no, it. <laughs> yeah, it, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to, to get some feedback on it.
1: Now, uh, question, how many um, puzzle rooms are there in the game, or does it change up each time you play? How does it work?
0: Uh, there are some puzzles that are randomized uh, every time you turn the game on, um, but there are only four walls in one single room. Um, but there are lots and lots of puzzles on those four walls. So yeah, it's, it's crammed. What's can you say
2: like roughly how many
1: puzzles that there are like to solve?
0: Mm, I don't know, between 40 and 50 probably. Oh, that's not oh really? Bad.
1: Okay. I'm not bad. And I want to talk about another thing here. When you talk about the play time in the game, you got like the full game runs on a 60 minute timer, but you can actually do speed runs under 12 minutes. It sounds like the ultimate challenge for those that do these, um, you know, these runs for charity, games done quick sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And that, I'm I'm curious to see how, how the speedrunners are going to react to it. Cause there are some things in the game that if you know what to do, uh, you can skip over a thing or two. So I'm curious to see what kind of like strategies and, and methods people use. Um, but yeah, there's a 60 minute timer, just like any normal escape room. Well, most escape rooms anyway, that you go to do. Um, but yeah, if you know where everything is, the only, there's only a few puzzles that are going to potentially trip you up and you know manipulate your time to where it might not be as fast as you want but there's always that challenge of trying to nail it Sure, yeah. Yeah,
1: because that's all I need is pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, is Escape um, multiplayer also? Because, like, escape rooms are inherently multiplayer themselves.
0: So. Yeah, it, it's not multiplayer in the sense that, you know, there will be multiple people with controllers sort of working together. But I found that with a lot of puzzle games, it's really fun to get a group of people sitting in the same room while someone has the controller because everyone thinks that they know what to do next. Of so course. they're all screaming out, try this, try that. So it, it it can be a, a collaborative effort if you if you have a group of friends to sit down with.
1: Yeah, it sounds like something like, what are you doing? No, you idiot, go over there. What are you <laughs> now, you originally debuted this game, according to what it says here, you debuted it at MAGFest uh, in Maryland earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. How was the first reception when you shut off the game for the first time?
0: Uh, mostly positive. Um, like any puzzle games, there are just people that inherently aren't going to like it just because it's not their cup of tea. But everyone that seemed to be okay with puzzle games seem to really enjoy it so yeah nothing but uh but positive vibes uh coming home from there it really inspired me to to push forward and finish the game
1: i mean i can't imagine you would be negative like you know it's a an escape room game unless you suck at escape rooms be like wait i'm trying to figure this out my (laughs) brain what
0: Well, puzzle games are hard, a hard sell at a, at a festival or an expo anyway, because everyone's constantly on the move wanting to see as much as possible. Well, but yeah, like yeah. sitting down and putting the time and effort into like turning on your brain and trying to figure out, you know, concentrate a game on that, something with like the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's tough. So yeah. maybe it wasn't the, the greatest place to debut it. But uh, I, I just wanted to get in front of some people and kind of see how it went.
2: I mean I could see this game like doing well honestly in like the let's play community. Like if you had like certain people like say like Pro Jared or whatever like playing this game and trying to figure it out and having people in the comments also kinda of giving like their take as far as like how to figure things out. Like maybe have it like where at the end of the episode is like, How do you think that, you know, to, like solved this puzzle <laughs> kind of thing? And that then go into like awesome. the next episode and that, that'll be like the, the like solution that they find.
1: Yeah. But I mean, what's what's even more interesting here is that, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're starting to see more developers try ideas for older systems. Like a little while back, uh, I talked to somebody at PAX East about doing games like Coffee, Crisis, and Lethal Wedding on the Sega Genesis. And we mentioned Tim Hartman, who did Haunted Halloween 86 in the NES, and is working on a new project. So uh, one of the interesting questions that we have here is like, what is probably the biggest challenge when it comes to working on classic NES-style architecture for a game in this era?
0: Oh, man. Uh, well, the NES inherently has some pretty big just you know, things that you have to work around, like color restrictions, uh, just memory restrictions, the number of sprites that can be on a scan line at the same time. So there's all these things that you have to juggle to just make a game work in general. Um, but then taking sort of a modern idea that maybe wasn't done back in the 80s and early 90s and trying to pull it off i think there's something fun about that because you know when you grow up with a system there's a lot of platformers there's a lot of shooters like there's a lot of specific game types but pulling modern ideas and saying i wonder what this would be like on such a classic system Um, i don't know it's just a lot of fun to try new things
2: yeah, I, I guess like trying to like, I guess, make all that work as far as like, you know, like like a type of game that you just typically don't see on like the platform and certainly working within those like restrictions uh, can certainly be like fun and challenging at the same time. So I imagine there's like a lot of intrigue in that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, just, you know, always chasing the unknown and saying, I wonder if I can pull this off. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, enjoyment in, in that challenge.
2: Yeah. And um, Nescape also has kind of like a story element to it as well, right?
0: Yeah, but I don't want to give too much of that away. I kind of want people to almost go in blind, not really knowing what to expect, because in most escape rooms, you don't really know, you know, what maybe, you know, the theme, but you don't know too much of what's going on. So like going in the door, locking behind you and you just like figuring out where do I even start with all this random stuff in this room? Gotcha. um, That's part of the fun to me. Yeah, don't
1: don't (laughs) don't spoil the end game, David.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter dies at the end. No,
1: damn it! Sneak <laughs> Darth Vader kills Dumbledore. No.
0: How <laughs> dare you? Damn it!
1: But uh, no, you you got a great team here. Um, it looks like your John Piornick uh, handled the graphics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Travis Nelson uh, did the music, and then story and puzzle consultation by Kendall Howard. I believe that's yeah, how you say it. She's
0: yeah, she's a local friend that uh, I sat down with and I actually just wanted to basically ask her help with, you know, can you help me come up with the first puzzle in this game just to sort of get started? And she, we sat down for a few minutes and, you know, four hours later, she had helped me come up with every single puzzle in the game. Wow. So it was just a very fluid collaborative process that went almost way too easy. Um, <laughs> but even when we were done at that point, the game the game was you know it had a good idea but finding john to do the art was the biggest blessing that this game could have ever had because what's weird is he had never done a video game project before he didn't even know that he could really do pixel art he he almost sent me a message as a joke saying hey you know (laughs) i'll do the art for you and i was like all right well what do you think you can do and he's like all right i'll send you some stuff for microsoft paint um and the stuff he sent was like mind-blowing and i'm like dude like if you really want to do this we should do this so he took our good ideas and made them great and made them look better than we ever could have imagined so i'm really really thankful that we found him because he took this to a whole nother level
2: yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of fascinating, honestly, what people are doing with Microsoft Paint these days, because there's yeah. like a game uh, I saw during PAX East, which is actually made using Microsoft Paint.
0: Really? And, uh,
2: it is very detailed. I'm trying to remember like the name of it. I think it's called like Tokyo Horror or wow. something like that. You know, it's, it's quite fascinating, honestly, just like with how, you know, again, like how detailed it is, um, you know, and especially like being like a horror game, too. So like, it gets into some of the like, kind of gruesome details as far as like, you getting killed or like seeing like you know, seeing like some of the monsters that you come across in the you know, in like the school they're in and all that. Um so yeah, it's it's just really, really amazing stuff what, what people are able to do within like the limitations really of whatever platform that they're working in.
0: That's crazy. I can't imagine doing a whole game in Microsoft Paint because like John, we moved him to sort of NES development programs that help you stay within the confines of the restrictions of the system. So I can't even imagine someone doing a full game in Paint. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, Yeah.
1: It's kind of wild, you know, with this whole creativity angle that a lot of people are taking on these challenges. I I think that's like like modern games like Super Mario Maker 2 are going the way they are because people are like, oh, I get to create slopes. Oh, you guys are dead. You know, that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) But it also thrives within the retro community because I I think we've seen like, you know, some RPG Maker, we've seen the NES Maker. We actually had the creator on the show, I believe, a while back too. And, you know, it's just really great to see like all these options open up up for like people to show off their creative side i mean yeah it does take effort but you see how that effort pays off with some of these excellent projects and everything.
0: yeah nothing nothing good ever came easy like you, you got to put in the effort it exactly, just makes yeah. it that much more special
2: so um i just shared like in the um the group chat there uh the game that, that i was talking about is called world of horror uh, awesome which is basically called like a one-bit uh horror game more or less <laughs> yeah good luck um, with me sleeping oh, tonight man, man. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah, it those it all, look it, awesome it, it honestly is very disturbing, as I remember playing it at PAX East. And um, yeah, it definitely left an impression on me, especially talking to the um, to the like developer of the game. And, uh, you know, again, like working on Microsoft Paint and like, you know, the painstaking detail they put into like each scene that you come across. It's, it's, yeah. it's really it's really something else. So.
0: That is awesome. I can't wait to check that out.
1: Uh, yeah. I'll probably skip it till the morning. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough.
2: And um, you also host a podcast called The Assembly Line. Is that right?
0: Yeah, um, actually, this Monday coming up is our two-year anniversary of when the first episode came out. Well, Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Thanks, man. It's It's been a lot of fun. You know, th- there were, you know, 10 years ago when I started making games for the NES, it was, you know, months, maybe a year between NES homebrew, like a new one coming out. So it was really easy to sort of keep track of, you know, what was coming out, what was worth, you know, looking into. But the past few years, it's become more and more common for just nes games to come out so there's been like a flood of new games so um oh, yeah. my co-host bo and i we kind of wanted to it, it's it's easy to get lost in that flood of new games and we wanted to, like what can we do to focus on the ones that we think are the best you know that we want to celebrate bring the developers on you know get their stories um so we started this uh, podcast just to sort of focus on one game at a time um, talk about all the various aspects of it bring the developer on talk to their whole talk about their whole process um, and we were just hoping you know to get a few followers here and there to listen to us but uh, we've actually gotten a pretty big following uh, and it's only growing more and more so we're very thankful that uh we have a sort of a platform to talk about this stuff that's
1: great
2: yeah that's great yeah and like it like it also kind of like shows too with like how popular that retro gaming in general mm-hmm. has like become because that's that's really kind of like an extension of it obviously on your podcast you focus more on on like the homebrew scene yeah. um but that that is by by extension with like you know with like retro gaming and like homebrews in general certainly gotten like more attention uh as people are trying to like work on like their own like iterations or projects or just like their own like takes really i guess on like different types of games and also different like um different like franchises and things like that so it's just really cool to see and, and i'm glad to see that that the uh that the podcast is a big success for you
0: thank you yeah we're, we're thrilled
1: <laughs> Now um going back to nescape a little bit um i understand you're actually you're about to start a kickstarter campaign for it is that what you guys in mind or yeah
0: so on may 15th uh we're gonna go live uh, and obviously it'll last for 30 days after that but uh I think we're wanting to set the goal at like $7,500 just to see if we can get funded because that's kind of what it costs to buy boxes and manuals and, and cartridge shells and and the boards and all that to sort of sure. put out a physical release. Um but yeah, we're just sort of wanting to do whatever we can to get this game in front of people's hands uh, to give it a try. So we're going to have different tiers, um, some that you know actually come with the Super Nintendo mouse, some that come with an adapter if you already have the Mario Paint mouse. Um, but if you just want the game and want to play it with a controller, we'll just have tier um, with the complete in-box version of the game. And then we're actually going to have a digital, uh, a digital tier to where you can uh, download the ROM. Um, and like I said, we're going to have that uh, stretch goal um, to get the PC version out. So if that actually meets, if we fund to that point where that stretch, un- stretch goal unlocks, every backer will then get the PC version as well. So uh, we're really hoping that it does well. I post most of my updates on my Twitter. You can find me at a ton of glaciers. Um, and that's where I, I primarily post.
1: Awesome, and you can buy an NES cartridge of the game if you want to take that route, which I think is absolutely.
0: Awesome. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to do cartridge only, but you're going to have to do the cartridge with the manual and box.
1: You have to. I mean, it's a collector's thing. Of course, of course, <laughs> absolutely.
0: <Yeah. laughs> Got to put it on the shelf with the other ones you grew up with.
1: Yeah, or put it in your system like we're supposed to.
0: <laughs> absolutely,
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, best of luck to you and the team, like making like the Kickstarter here. Uh, you know, it, like it sounds like an awesome game, honestly, and, and definitely like a very unique kind of game. For for like the NES, so like I, I really hope that um, people pick up on it and give you like the funding that you need in order to uh, in order to make this happen.
0: Thank you, I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on to talk about it. Absolutely, and uh, Robert, I believe you have a game code to give away.
1: I do. So I teamed up with the good friends over there, Special Reserve Games. They actually have a contest going on with a sixty second minute drawing competition. Now, Minute is a nice little Zelda style game that came out from Devolver Digital a little while back, and basically you have to complete your adventure, but you only live sixty seconds at a time. So it's very challenging game but it's a lot of fun uh they have a little drawing contest where you can win special reserves games over the course of the year this includes stuff like the messenger and minute um but i have a steam code to give away to promote the contest there and here it is it is a eight f m m q v x e m -M 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 I-K-N-L-9. That is Minute on Steam. And if you want to learn more about the giveaway, this twitter.com slash special reserve games. I believe that's how it goes. And if you, oh no, just special reserves. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. And if you do win the code, please let us know. Let us know on twitter.com slash arg podcast. Choose your character.
2: And that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called Random Select, which is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character that I am this week. Uh, so basically, it's going to be Kevin and Robert acting as a team to guess which video game character that I am. Uh, if after five questions they don't get it, I'll give the first hint. After 10, I'll give the second hint. And if after 15 questions they don't get it, then it's game over, as Raul Julia would say. So whenever you guys are ready, you can start with the first yes or no question.
1: OK, I guess I can uh, go and go ahead and start here. Uh, are you a Sega character? Yes. OK, well, on the right track.
0: Did you have a game on the Genesis? Yes.
1: Are you Dr. Robotnik? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> I figured we only ta- we talk
1: about Sonic the Hedgehog and be like, it's not Sonic. So it's gotta be something.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although like I, I was kind of tempted to go with Lolo, but you know, I wasn't quite sure like if, uh, if that would be a good one. So yeah, it's well, robotic in this case, but yeah, good, good job there guys. Yeah. What's, getting...
0: the, uh, what's the record on the uh, number of questions. We I think right? the
1: first, he did one for Guybrush Greepwood, believe it or not. And I got it in the first question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we were talking about treasure, We were talking about like, you know, the, the monkey Island games and all that stuff. And you're like, okay, hey, Robert, whenever you're ready. Are you Guybrush creepwood? Damn it.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damn Nailed, it. There. Nailed
1: uh, it. Yeah. And uh, what were your uh, two clues there, Uh
2: So my first clue was I'm well-rounded. Um, and <laughs> my second clue was you must stash me a question. (laughs) (laughs)
1: well done yeah that's a that's a random select there and since we kind of ended that early i kind of want to bring up one one more subject here while it's not entirely gaming related i think it fits in with the theme in terms of uh talking about stuff that's coming back i put a link there in the chat guys and we'll include a a link with our episode as well but ron howard is currently in talks to make a willow sequel series for disney plus uh now as you guys might remember he made 1987 movie called willow featuring warwick davis and Valkyrie. Kilmer. It was a fun little adventure movie. He uh, teamed up with George Lucas on it. Very underrated, but it's been a favorite for a lot of fans. Uh, since then, um, a trilogy of books came out uh, Shadow Moon as part of the Chronicles of the Shadow War trilogy. And there's been a lot of talk about bringing it back, like Warwick Davis hinted at it during Star Wars Celebration. And now Ron Howard is officially in talks. Um, so. I'm eager to see what this universe is like. Are we going to see a grown-up Laura Dannon? Will Valve Kilmer's character? <laughs> will, you know, Mad Mardigan come back? You know, uh, there's a lot of things on the table here, but it is kind of cool that Ron Howard has an interest in this, I think.
2: And will we see a re-release of that arcade game that
0: we talked about recently? Yeah, <laughs> the arcade
1: game and maybe the NES game, you know? To, to maybe. <laughs> make it a Willow yeah. collection. Come on, Captain.
0: <laughs> Man, go. if there were, if, there, if like you had asked me five years, like if, if there's, anything that you think is not going to come back willow would be on that like i can't believe that this is happening yeah well i mean like it, talks.
1: okay if you had told me five years ago well they're going to bring back earthworm jim and it's going to be in an inte- <laughs> it's going to be on an television platform a bit okay Touche. I would have been like, what are you smoking and do you have any left? <laughs> what year
0: is this? <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, Ron, Volume
1: rooms and Jumanji with the leaf hat.
2: Is exactly. It. Exactly. Yeah. But
1: I think it's kind of cool. You know, I, I think the idea that they want to bolster their Disney Plus service with so many original shows as it is, is really cool. But the fact that Ron Howard's that devoted to Willow and the fact that yeah. they re-released like what was it the 30th anniversary edition a little while back and it got some really good oh is that the
2: uh 4k release yeah the
1: the 4k well it's on blu-ray it's not on 4k yet but they did re-release it with a few extras and digital copies so definitely picked it up if you get a chance it's a fun adventure movie and probably one of my favorite val kilmer movies outside of real genius
2: Mm, nice. That's nice. A good one. And
1: I know yeah. you, Batman, forever hate, forever hate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say something, but whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't go wrong there. Uh, so, yeah, that is basically episode 159, of the books. And uh, if you want to follow the R cast on Twitter, we are at our podcast. Same thing for Facebook, facebook.com slash R podcast. And if you can find me on Twitter, at the guilty man,
1: you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check my work at gamerevolution.com and superherohype.com, as well as MMO games.com.
2: And also, like a quick shout out to our patrons. Uh, there's Francisco Lemus and Mac the Ball. So thank you very much, guys, for helping support the show. And you can also check out, like, all the like perks and tiers and all that stuff over at patreon.com slash artcast. Please be sure to check out our partner site, Don't Feed the Gamers, at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That's run by our good friend Liana Ruppert, where her team give fan-centric news and reviews in gaming. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really... You can email us at rcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. There's also us with rcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast.
1: And that is episode number one fifty nine in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. Meantime, I gotta find a green leotard and a red cape so I can <laughs> Booger Man cosplay. Booger. Yeah,
2: I'll definitely supply the Taco Bell tea in that
1: case. So. Okay, no, do no, no oh, I'm, I'm a man of chalupas, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, it's just an idea, you know. I mean, oh, you know, as long as it, it's like the right mascots. Like I'd even walk back, like zero the Kamikaze Squirrel. I mean, if Bubsy can come, <laughs> if Bubsy can come back twice. That, Anything's possible.
2: Yeah, that is the big mystery right now. But, you know, I, I guess we still have room for a pick and flick adventure. So,
1: Yeah. I mean, what could possibly go wrong?
2: That's right. <laughs> All
1: right. We will see you guys next week. Until then, take it easy.
2: Catch you later.
0: I'm Chris Wilson. And I'm Dylan Gregory. And we host Backstage Gaming, a weekly podcast about video games and storytelling. We both play pretend professionally. Sometimes on stage with other people. And sometimes alone in the soundproof room. So join us every Monday while we talk about games, acting, and how a story comes together. Backstage Gaming. Dramatic takes on your favorite games. Part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network.